All right, folks, welcome back to Build It, the non-league soccer podcast where we talk to movers and shakers and sometimes stand-stillers across American non-league soccer. This week, joining us all the way from sunny, freezing cold South Chicago, Evaldo Basso. Morning, Evaldo. Good afternoon, Evaldo. Uh, good, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, we, we only just started the podcast, and Nick, you've already said wrong stuff because you said there's like movers and shakers usually on this pod, and I can assure you I'm neither of those. Usually. We make exceptions for you. It's all right. Um, and joining me is our co-host, John Hall. Hi, John. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Hello, hello, hello. He's been rehearsing, you know that. John is currently vacating down in the south of um, south of the country, down in Phoenix, so there may be a lag on the line, so we apologise for any production issues. But if you're listening for this for any length of time, you'll know that production issues are not our strong point, so suck it and see. Um, Evaldo, you are, I believe, we try to work out, we're going to call you general manager, but call it whatever you want, of um, our dear friends in the Midwest, Steel City. Is that fair? Totally fair. Stuck it, stick a broom at my butt and I'll do whatever you want any to do. Title, any title you say is fair because I do most of the stuff outside uh-huh. of the sporting side, which we have very capable, uh, very capable hands on that side. You do indeed. You do indeed. Too capable from our bitter experience. So, um, Evaldo, a little bit about you, if you would be so kind. Your soccer journey, how you ended up uh, getting involved with Steel City, and um, we will take it from there. Yeah. So, no, thank you. So, personally, um, you know, kind of born and raised in the Chicagoland area, will pri- probably die in the Chicagoland area. Um, uh, parents from Italy. So, you know, was always going to have no choice, but to kind of be deep in the game. Um, went to Northern Illinois university, uh, you know, right in your backyard there folks. Uh, and, uh, upon graduating from that kind of entered the financial services industry, which kind of culminated in being CFO of Grosvenor, which is a kind of really large, um, global, uh, hedge fund. Um, Throughout kind of my career in the financial services space, which, you know, was a career kind of hallmarked by, you know, really long hours and a grind. I think I always tried to stay pretty close to the game in some small way. Um, I didn't, I didn't play post kind of high school other than yucking it up in men's leagues. Um, But, uh, you know, wrote, uh, was an MLS, uh, wrote for MLS's website during the first like five years of the fire's existence. So it was like, you know, down in the locker room post game, interviewing folks like Jesse Marsh and Bob Bradley and Chris Armis and, and, and folks that have ended up being actually wildly successful. Um, and that was, that was just a way to stay close. Um, it, it was a side hustle at the corner of my desk. Uh, and, and then later on, uh, as my, as it kind of progressed, um, I've been probably about six years now a member of the United States Soccer Federation's Development Council. Uh, The Development Council is a group of folks that are independent from U.S. soccer and really business leaders across the country uh, that get together regularly with folks from U.S. soccer, um, you know, in order to kind of continue to try to push the game forward in this country. So that's kind of my personal background. you also asked about Steel City. Uh, so I'll launch into that now. Uh, Steel City, my, my high school son was going to be a freshman in, in, in high school. And we get a note from the varsity coach, you know, talking about when tryouts were going to be. And in the last paragraph of the note, this was last summer, he said, 
hey, and I'm making my debut tonight for Steel City FC in Joliet, you know, come out and, you know, support us. And, you know, that Joliet is like 15 minutes from my house. And I thought, what the, what the hell is this thing? I've never heard of Steel City FC. Uh, so anyway, I got in the car and went over there and was pretty impressed with what was happening on the field and the level of play. Um, but then as I was sitting there, like, so, so I've never, I've never been like some huge, um, uh, kind of low level soccer wonk. Uh, and I'd say like, I never like believed in it. I've never believed in it as like a, a venture to, 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 to pursue. I, I, um, my, my dad always used to tell me, um, Hey, the, the best way to make sure you lose money in this country is to get involved with soccer or to invest in soccer. Um, and, and, and that's coming from a big soccer fan that he was and still is. Um, but as I was sitting there that night and, and, and Steel City plays in a minor league baseball stadium, so a fairly proper, you know, stadium complex, um, I was looking around and, 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 and we had just been to the minor league baseball game at that same stadium about two weeks before uh, with my family. And when I was looking at the crowd of Steel City, and it wasn't a big crowd, so let's not overstate it, but it made an impression on me at the diversity and the youthfulness of the crowd. There was, you know, African-Americans, uh, Black, uh, um, Hispanic women, uh, young people, people were young. And I, and not, that may have not seemed odd to me, other than the fact that I was at the minor league baseball game the week or two prior and the makeup of the crowd was very different. It skewed almost 100% white, it skewed old. Um, and I just had this thought that, geez, this soccer crowd really matches the demographics of the area and the surrounding towns you know, that I've always lived in. And so as a matter of first impression, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, so, so, you know, a good vibe. Um, and, and then as I was sitting there further, I was thinking to myself, well, why do I even go to minor league baseball games? I, I think I'm in the majority of folks that we tend to go like once a year. And it's because like my kids got like some like perfect attendance thing at school or some stupid shit like that. But when we go, uh, we don't know who's playing. We can't name one person on the baseball teams. We don't know the Joliet Slammers record. Um, we don't even know who they're playing against's record. We don't know any of this stuff. And yet we choose to go and we have a nice time. Um, and so as I was thinking about that, I thought, well, I'm just kind of almost proving to myself that what's going on on the field almost doesn't matter for me and my family to have a nice night out. So, so why can't what's happening on the field just be a soccer game? Why does it have to be a minor league baseball game? Um, and then when I further kind of thought about the demographics of the surrounding community, it got me even more exciting of the question, why can't that just be a soccer game, you know, that 900 people show up to on a Wednesday night instead of the minor league baseball game. Um, and so that was really my, kind of launching point. I, I got home that night from the game and, you know, 
this is kind of like part two of my involvement in Steel City. I said to myself, I want to go back to another game, but I couldn't find one scrap of information on Steel City FC, not even its own website had the schedule of when they were playing again or what time. Uh, but I did find a little button on Steel City's FC's website saying, hey, contact us. And so I clicked through it and said, you know, who owns this team? Like who, who's behind this, this button? Uh, because like I went to a game tonight, it was super cool and I wanna come again. And can we go for Starbucks? Cause I'd love to talk to you. Uh, that ended up being a day or two later, me and the then owner, uh, Jason Almazan, getting together for lunch and the lunch lasted like five hours. He and I had never met before. Um, and he's an incredible person with um, a ton of energy, enthusiasm and great vision. Um, and the conversation was funny because it was pockmarked. And, and I, I'd say this next thing, if Jason was sitting here with me right now, he's heard me tell this. Um, the conversation was pockmarked by things like me saying, hey, Jason, you really should have the schedule on your website because that's like the most important information you have that your fans want. And he'd say, Avaldo, that's a great idea. And then I said, Jason, that's not a great idea. That's like, that's like the bare minimum requirement. And so <laughs> for the next five hours, it was a bunch of volleys. And, you know, while Jason is an incredible visionary, um, you know, he was up against me, who's an, who's like, like a real like operator. And, and I'm, you know, I have a CFO background, a real process and internal control, a, a background that's like boring to 99.9% .9 of your listeners. Um, and certainly it's boring to Jason as well, but you know, he had a realization in that five hours that he needed someone with the skill sets that I had in order to help and pitch in. Um, and you know, and I had the realization in those five hours that I would never have been able to launch the team like Jason did, that it takes somebody with great vision and passion and energy and like maybe a more reckless risk profile than what I have in order to do a good job launching the team. So, so Jason and I really kind of were a, a two-headed animal from mid-season on last year and did a bunch of things together. Um, and just to wrap up the story, like at, in the off season, um, uh, you know, as soon as the final whistle blew on 2021, I wanted to like, start planning the next day for 2022. And, uh, and for someone like Jason, and again, this is not disparaging on Jason, I'd say this if he was next to me. It's like, wait a minute, you wanna start talking in September about like next year's season? Like, what, what are we gonna talk about? And so, you know, that, that whole concept, like, you know, again, it's just my background of being an operator and kind of understanding what those steps are in order to reach, in order for things to reach a different level. It's amazing um, to me that you and John get on so well, really, with that sort of drive and just like, okay, we've done that. What's next? We've done that. What's next? Um, <laughs> look, I don't, I don't want to interrupt your flow, um, but just I need to, I need to circle back. Um, John, you can talk soon, I promise. One of the things you said, um, to paraphrase, was um, – no, that's not fair. One of the things I took from what you just said was how important first impressions are. 
not the on-pitch product because you know we, nobody's going to have Lionel Messi. But you you struggled with your with the website experience. You struggled finding someone to talk to. Um, you find you struggled finding information about who was playing, let alone who they were playing. Um, be that minor league baseball or non-league soccer. Um, that circles round beautifully to the stuff that is front and front of um, mind for me and John at the moment in terms of like the, the whole fan experience and fans first and the stuff that we talked about with Jesse Cole last week and just a whole load of things that we've got going on. But um, I think it's just indicative of like, you never know who's looking for you at any given point. If you weren't so tenacious, you'd have just said, well, I went, I love soccer, but still City's not for me because they clearly don't care. But now, because you were tenacious, they've got you. And now next time, you don't have to be tenacious. So you don't know who's looking at your website when it's, you know, the next, whether they've got a parent, whether it's a parent of a player or whether it's the next financial controller or merchandise provider or concessions marketer or whatever it is. So there's, there's someone looking at your website at any given point that could change the course of your website. Make it inaccessible. Make it user-friendly. Remove the obstacles for people helping you. Correct. I could I couldn't agree more. I I have there's a little problem I have that I I needed to overcome, but I think maybe for a lot of the listeners there this wouldn't be a problem. I almost was I almost um put shackles on myself though because at, at kind of the beginning of my involved kind of you know taking charge, which was like October November timeframe, my first reaction was like. I'm taking the whole goddamn website down until we can build one that's pinpoint perfect. And, and that, uh, that kind of mentality can shackle you and isn't the right mentality either. You, My you, wife you, always says, perfect is the enemy of good. Yeah. And so you got to kind of like, you got to kind of go with some stuff, even though it's a B minus. Um, yeah. Good enough is good enough, right? Because right. it's good enough and gets people the right information that they need to your point. Completely agree. Um, and that's just a sidebar. But yeah, it's that to me, it's hugely important. And I get that an awful lot of the people that are listening and an awful lot of people that are involved in non-league soccer are concerned with the playing side. And that's great. Go crazy. Um, but if this podcast and if the last three years, four years, five years of being involved with non-league soccer in the US has taught me and John anything, it's that soccer is the actual playing side, the on-field stuff is such a small part of what you're actually doing if you're setting up a club for the long term the players will come and go but the fans won't the fans will if you get if you connect to the fans and you give them what they want off the field on their websites on 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 match day away from match day they're the ones that keep your club going not the players yeah and, and and that concept you know has been the most interesting to me as i've again i've only just started the journey in lower league soccer um and and by the way just started. I'm like all in now, right? I own the club. I am on the board of the Midwest Premier League. I I wasn't going to go about owning a club in a league and not have a say at what was done in the league. Like to me, that I've never let that happen. Uh, um, and so in that journey, I found, and, and this is not perfect. I'm, I'm generalizing. So you know, there there do seem to be two camps of folks. There's a camp more aligned with what you just described, Nick, in terms of building a club, building a fan base. But then there's also the folks that, I'll say it in the most derogatory way, 
There's also the folks that just want to roll the ball out in the middle of the field and play. And, and they're more concerned about putting the best team out there and winning trophies, even if there's no fans in the stands. We break it down as club versus team. Yeah. And like, and like, There's got the people that are doing the club thing will look down on the people just doing the team thing, saying, "Well, you're not really building anything." Um, the people doing the team thing will look at the people doing the club team and say, "I don't give two shits about how many tweets or Facebook likes I get. Like, I want to play some soccer. My players want to play some soccer. We want to win first place in the table, and that's what we're here for." So it's almost like on their trajectory of the, this maybe coming boom in lower league soccer, on this trajectory, I think we gotta, we've got to cater to both camps because both camps, both, both camps of types of teams have one thing in common, and this is not to be underestimated. They have somebody at the top or a group of people at the top that are putting a lot of time and money in to like having this thing exist. And so we may not see eye to eye on what the ultimate goal is of the thing, but there's people spending time and money on it. And so I think, I think we need to cater to both camps for now and time will tell whether the marketplace wants one or the other. is not the right way of doing it, right? If there was the right way of doing it, someone would have written the book and we'd all follow it. Um, the fact that it hasn't survived or is still in its fledgling state, or however you want to say it, whether you're an advocate of Ted that soccer's been around for 100 years, or you think it's this new fangled thing, um, either way, we're all flying by the seat of our pants. We're all doing the best we can for the for the club that we're, we're involved with. That's not to say that our way is the right way or their way is the wrong way. That there is There are 101 ways to get into the end of the season. That's the be-all and end-all of it. Um, listen, John. I know you're working on your suntan on your mother's veranda, but um, anything to add to this conversation? No, it's it's funny. Uh, you know, Evaldo, so to give you the backstory, Evaldo reached out through the league chat. And because I'm on the board, I was like, all right, some, some dudes wants to know more about stuff. So I, you know, I connected with him again. And then we actually ended up playing um, at the baseball stadium he's talking about. We were down there for a league match. and. I was fortunate enough to uh, chat with Evaldo in person, you know, pretty quickly, right? I think after you got involved, uh, yeah. you know, first couple of games, I think you were helping Jason. And yep. um, I think that's what I recognize. Like he, he had this uh, different approach sort of, uh, like you said, the processing, whatever background that just kind of like the businessy background that I thought would really complement Jason and stuff. And then as it's transpired, I think, as you know, you've really kind of taken full control. Um, it's kind of exciting to see the vision that you explained to me that day when we met in person about, well, hey, why can't this be like minor league baseball where people just show up all the things that you talked about? Um, and, and so I'm kind of excited to see sort of Steel City 2.0 while you've now had a few months to kind of get involved and, and really you'll have the whole spring leading up to the season. Um, what I don't know, I guess just generally speaking, like what are some of the things that you talk about the website and some of those basic things? What are some of the you know, first one or two or three things that you're gonna do differently 
heading into 22. Yeah, well, I, I think, I, and I'm still like, I don't, I haven't, you know, I haven't really totally formulated, you know, what's what's like our coherent, you know, strategy and, and all this other stuff. But I, I, I think my focal point, and it, and it actually does come from that minor league baseball analogy. I think my focal point is going to be um, getting butts in seats, like having large crowds. And now for some people that just sounds like, well, of course, of course, that's what you want to do. But I, I think, so Steel City, the, the only maybe unique thing about Steel City vis-a-vis -vis the vast majority of the Midwest Premier League, or even maybe the vast majority of non-league soccer teams is our stadium. Um, we, like, we, we don't play in a high school stadium. We might one or two games just because of um, gate availability, but um, there's nothing wrong with playing in a high school stadium. Uh, however, uh, there is a different vibe and, and I've had parents tell me this because I did a bunch of informal surveying before I like agreed to like take this thing on. Um, parents have told me when they walk up the stairs and then like turn the corner and get into the stadium, like their kids get like really excited. Now to a kid, just being in an environment that looks like a pro stadium adds such a instant element of credibility that you might not otherwise have not being in what I'll call a pro stadium. Um, for the adults, right, on a Saturday night, being at a high school stadium versus being in our stadium where there's 10 micro brews on tap and full bar and full concessions that could rival Soldier Field, um, that's different. That's a different vibe. That's a night out at a Steel City game. Um, so we're gonna try to like go in a direction to capitalize that night out part of it, that butts and seats part of it. Now, I, we're all doing everything we're doing to ultimately get butts and seats and ultimately engage people. But I, but I, I say it in a butts and seats way because I, like I'm not convinced. If, if there's a hundred people at our game, I'm not convinced more than 10 of them have ever read one tweet of ours in our life. Maybe 30 of the 100 have seen our Facebook posts because they're on Facebook. And maybe 25 or 20 out of 100 have seen an Instagram post. But I, I just, I think the process of going to get butts and seats is a different process than like building something holistically, if that makes any sense. Like I'm going to be singularly focused almost on getting butts and seats. That doesn't mean, I mean, we have partnerships with the Nature Foundation of Will County. We have St. Francis University, one of their entire classes, their digital marketing and media class for the second semester is focused solely on Steel City as their class project. Um, so that's not to say we're not doing some of those other things that good clubs do to make impacts and to get into the community. But like our focal point is going to be butts and seats. Love it. Go on, Joe. All right. Does that make any sense? Oh, so much sense. So much sense. 
Yeah, mm. that, that's the, that's your, your, you got to pick one thing. I think of Aldo in your first, first season in control, pick one thing and set some targets and try to do that. Yeah. I know my audio is probably going in and out a little bit guys. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Shops up, but no, we'll just—I'll I'll just ask him all the questions, and he can rant for twenty minutes. That's what I've learned from this conversation so far. Is just wind him up and watch him go. You're absolutely right. It's exactly what I say. It's like just saying, "Hey, come to our game" isn't enough. Um, having a game isn't enough. Having a soccer club isn't enough. If I've said it, I, I feel like I say it on every single episode of this podcast. If soccer worked in this country, if non-league soccer worked in this country, there'd already be a thriving soccer club in the in Joliet. There'd already be one in DeKalb. There'd be one in every single city in the in the world in the country. What has worked before is nothing. We soccer isn't enough. We have to be the biggest show in town for that community. It has to be about community pride, not soccer pride. It has to be about this thing that you can't miss out on. This thing that matters because everyone's going to the the old in the good old days the water cooler moment, right? Of where were you sitting on Monday morning? Where were you sitting on Saturday night? It's there's a thousand and one things we want to do, a hundred and one things we can do, and we're all working on a volunteer budget with volunteer timeframes. So it's it's micro moments, but good lord, the, the potential with passion like yours, Rivaldo, is, is huge, right? Personally speaking, selfishly speaking, I hope you fail because I because you know there's no good comes to us if you start beating Bavarians and winning this league week after year after year after year, but. We need that sort of vision. I don't want to call you a visionary because you, it's not you're not you know you're not leading a cult, but that sort of clear clear thinking of just this is how it works, or this is how it should work. Um, and let's go. Yeah, and, and why, why is it? Why are we doing it? Because no one's done it. Okay, let's go go, go and do it then. And you know, we're, we're, trying, we're trying not to be lazy. Like I I I've now called a few um, directors of like large youth soccer programs, like literally t- top of the house guy at large programs in the area. And, you know, I feel like, I feel like the lazy thing is to say, Hey, you know, Hey, you want to, why don't you come to one of, you know, have your club's pizza party at our game, or can we, you know, our home game on this date is, you know, uh, legacy soccer club night. You know, can I, can I get to your mailing list? And like, that's like lazy. Like my question to these soccer club directors, and none of them had a good answer. None of them had an answer, by the way, but promised to think about it is how can we partner with you in like a like a way that's actually meaningful? We're like, we're like your club is better and getting benefits because we Steel City exist. Uh, and like we help make each other better. Um, and so, you know, and, and obviously you guys, you know, you guys at the Cal County United, I mean, you cornered the market on that, you know, with your announcement in the last 24 hours or so, which is, is a huge kudos to you. I, I look at that stuff you're doing with a lot of jealousy. I purposely, after I saw your announcement um, on the Academy system, I, I, I clicked on your Twitter profile because I wanted to know what year you guys started your club because I was like, okay, you don't get to where you are by only being around for a year. And I, and I think your Twitter profile said you guys started in 2017. So it's taken you uh, five years to get to this Nirvana you've gotten to. And by the way, when I say it's taken you five years, that's incredibly fast, especially when you throw two and a half years of COVID in there. Um, And so like, I, I like, I'm like, the time is ticking for Steel City 
to get there faster. But but you guys are the answer key, and 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 huge kudos to you. Cool, John. Well, I'll do it with me. Um, but we'll, well take that hey, kudos, and we'll talk about audio's back. Sorry, sorry. I will I will tell you this, Evaldo. The timetable we've done things on is because we feel it works for us, and every community is going to do things differently and should. There's going to be communities at this level where Midwest Premier League may be the tops. There's going to be other communities where the National Soccer League may be the tops. There's going to be others where NISA may be the top or USL may be the top. The community support ultimately will dictate where you go. Maybe it does end up that it, you know, Steel City becomes essentially a team that has a good following of players and has enough sponsors to survive, and that's where you are. Maybe it takes off in, you, in your dream situation, and some get, somebody you know from the development council goes, hey, I got some money. Why don't we take this thing to the next level? And, I mean, you just never know. You, the thing that we go back to all the time is the sustainability. Nothing happens if you fold. Nothing happens if you cease operations. So do whatever you do at whatever speed. Just keep moving forward. As, you know, to the extent you can, and let yeah. the community dictate where you go. Well, you, John, I use, I use your, something you said to me very early. I think that the first conversation we ever had resonated with me so much that I use the comment all the time. You say the club can only be as big as the community kind of wants it to be. And that is so true um, because it is just, it, it's just math. I mean, it's just math at the end. And, and the sustainability is key. And that's why, you know, there wasn't a lot of fiscal responsibility at Steel City last year, um, which, you know, just about led to its collapse. And so, you know, I told guys, I told the guys, I'm going to be, I'm kind of going to be the no fun police because the answer on a lot of shit is going to be no, because we're going to do things to, the decisions we make like need to have a strong element of protecting the sustainability of this thing. Money coming, going out can't exceed money coming in for very long. I'm, I'm willing to stomach that personally for a while, but there's going to be some point in time where my wife says, wait a minute, you're spending all your free time on this and you're like bleeding every year, you know, money, like it's going to be like, when's enough enough. So um, sustainability is key. You should talk to a lot of people in lower league English football and have that conversation because they do not get it. I don't know if you guys are aware, and this is a side tangent, um, someone heavily involved in Bitcoin has just taken over a level 10 club uh, called Bedford Town. Um, who, you know, getting like, who were getting like 50 people through the gate. Uh, now he's super impressed that he's got like, because he's got this worldwide following, he's got official supporters clubs in New York and Singapore and yada, yada, yada. And he's, got, he's come up with this grand plan of he's going to take this small town club into the premiership in X number of years. Um, you know, he's not the first person to have had this idea. He won't be the last. He sounds passionate. He sounds decent. He doesn't sound like a crook. But if that town wanted, had the support for that size club, it would have that size club. It's not rocket science, right? You, it's not like you're not setting up a new town. The town exists. The community already exists. All you're doing is implanting a soccer club and saying, come to us. That's it. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. And, and there, there's something you said there that it's a related point to what you, what we talked about is, so we're not shy. Um, and, and actually our group of volunteers were meeting last night 
And as we were talking about which soccer clubs to reach out to, to just have outreach to, they were suggesting some clubs like in the North suburbs and stuff. And I, and I shut that down right away. Like, I don't want us to be shy right now at being kind of laser focused on being kind of the Southwest suburb team. Like I, I almost to the point where I would say I only care about like a 20 mile radius around our stadium, because like, if, if we can't make people care within a 20 mile radius of our stadium, which is, which is where all the, which is where the majority of our roster actually was born and grew up and where, and where many people on our roster actually teach or coach. So if I have all of that in a 20 mile radius and I can't get those people to come to the game, then I ain't getting anybody to come to the game. So we're being kind of laser focused with kind of knowing who we are and knowing who our target is as well. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Well, just, I just want to add one thing too, and you don't have to dive into it at all though, but you mentioned um, essentially being out of business, right? At the end of the at end of last season, the first season of, of Steel City on the men's side. Um, you you finished third in the West, I believe, right? Like you had a great season on the pitch. Yeah. I believe it was third. And yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the year, the club was essentially it needed some it needed it needed you to come in and, and help kind of keep it moving. And that's very important when we talk about team versus club, as you guys were talking about earlier. The results matter, but only to a certain degree. And I think that's I think that's an interesting point that we saw Joliet United in your community a few years back. Went like crazy when we were in the UPSL. Went like crazy, won our division, and they were gone the next year. Right. So, so finding the balance between on-field and off-field, I think, is critically important. And as you said, it's good that you have other people worrying about the on-field stuff too. Yeah, and I, you know, and we have the same kind of three volunteers that were. Um, I mean, it's embarrassing. Like we don't even pay our coaches. We didn't pay our coaches last year. We told them we're not paying them this year. I'm embarrassed by that. We we can't we can't be a soccer club and not pay the people that are coaching. That's crazy. But we're I mean we're not gonna we're probably not gonna bring enough money in to do it. Um, and you know, there. I would, sorry, I don't. I would counter that. I don't think it's crazy at all. I don't. I don't think that you, I, and John, and anyone else who's volunteering at a soccer club is any more important than the coach. But. If nobody's getting paid, um, then nobody is more important, right? The yes, yeah. the, the, the coaches are, are ultimately responsible for the product on the field, but why should they get paid over and above me because I'm the one generating the marketing and people through the gate? Why should they get paid over and above you and John because you're the ones generating sponsorship money? Why should they get yeah. paid? Like, I, yeah, I completely I'm, get your point, but I think I think it's flawed. I'm, I'm glad you said that. And here is, um, let me talk about that for a second because I think. This other this this feature we put in place, I think might be novel as well in lower league soccer. Although I don't know because I haven't like talked to a lot of people about it. But so what we've done is so what I said is because I I have a personality problem. I have a hard time asking people to do stuff. Like I just feel bad. So I'm not good at. It. So I came up with like a mechanism to like help me ask people to do stuff. And what I said is, what we're gonna do is give whoever volunteers for this thing, no one's getting paid. Whoever volunteers is gonna get 
phantom ownership shares. And we call them phantom. So it actually sounds like a gimmick because it kind of is a gimmick. Um, but the, the, the entire kind of hedge fund and private equity industry operate kind of this way with their, with their leaders and their people. Um, and we said, as a phantom owner, you're going to get a, you're going to get whatever the ownership is. Maybe you get 1%, maybe you over here get 3%, whatever it is based on your role at the club and your time commitment. And, and we've locked that down. Um, like at the end of the year, if there's money left, which by the way, there won't be any left, but if there is, you, you get your 1% of what's left. And if you own 5%, you get your five. And so we gave out these phantom ownership shares to 10 people. They didn't have to, they didn't have to buy in. They didn't have to pay anything to do it. If the club has losses, they don't have to fund those losses. They, they only get upside. I absorb personally just like all the losses and the funding, so they can only get upside. Um, again, I warned them 15 times that this is worth nothing because there won't be any money. Um, but so, but, but I think people felt good at like saying, all right, I was actually, and we have like a real agreement. I actually have something that, you know, maybe, maybe there's a 1% chance it's worth something. And what I do is every single month since October, I issue a financial statement to the 10 of us that has every single penny that came in and every single penny that went out by category. And so, you know, they really enjoy that because they're like, wow, like I kind of always wanted to run a soccer club. And now I'm like, I'm like seeing it at a detailed level, like what it actually takes, like, because I, I'm giving 100% transparency to all 10 volunteers we have, like literally 100% transparency on a monthly basis. And so there's this, so Nick, to what you were saying, when you do that, when you give away ownership and you give everyone 100% transparency, you promote the feeling that we're all in this together and we all have important roles. Some people's important role is coaching, and some people's important role is going out and getting sponsors. So, yeah. but, uh, but, you know, back what started this part of the conversation, you know, we, we're still focused on, we, we do want to pay our, um, we do want to pay coaches at some point. Oh, we lost him. Yeah, we've lost him. All right. I'll keep on going. Uh, I'm still here. I'm still oh, here. I'm still oh, here, but go ahead, Nick. I like listening. I feel like you, should, you two need to recap the conversations you've had if we're going to – because at the moment, this is just a loving, right? This is just three people agreeing with each other. But um, the whole point of us getting newbies – new, newbies, God bless you. Well done, but um, people who um, are starting out on that on the pathway is that they get to ask questions of us seasoned ex – experienced folks who've been there and wore the t-shirt and won the war, right? Um, I, I guess I'm going to, having said that, I'm going to ask you one question, Elder. Um, without betraying any confidences, what was the first thing you said no to or scrapped off the, we well, we did this last year list financially? Uh, that's a good question because there's been a bunch. Uh, this notion that we're going to like kind of have a bunch of we're going to create extra work for ourselves with all these reserve games and, and somehow have some reserve team of players. And I'm like, nah, too much organization. Too, I go, 
if we want another team, um, we're willing to put an under 23 team into a proper league with a proper schedule where it's all kind of baked for you. I'm not having a bunch of our volunteers run around finding refs, finding fields for some like reserve team that we're going to schedule a bunch of one-off friendlies for. That was my first no. Um, yeah, that's that's a great point. Again, something else that we did. We didn't bring the under-23 teams in in our first season. And we phased them in, our, our men's and women's reserves, under-23s, whatever. We phased them in over a couple of years to make sure it wasn't too big of a burden. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, and Nick, you can probably tell, Evaldo and I have had a number of chats. Um, and we're very aligned in a lot of the things that we think. And I don't think either one of us feels that we're an expert, but uh, we've tried to share his ideas with me, and I've shared some of my ideas with him privately. Uh, and I think it's it's cool to record some of those some of those things here. But uh, yeah, I guess Evaldo, turn turn it to you. Do you have any I, I any do. questions in the in the line of questioning? Go ahead. I do, I, I do, and it's on this last point we just talked about with the reserve team and stuff. So the reason it's a hot topic with us at Steel City is because our coaches, um, I'll just use the word, they, they feel bad. So if we have like, let's just say we have 20 players on the first team and 20 players on our under 23 team, uh, they feel like there's going to be first team guys. Well, it's always a rub on, are we, do we exist to give everybody playing time or are we exist or do we exist to try to win and it's a professional environment. I think last year we had some leads late in games evaporate. One person may say, uh, although this is not definitive, even though I'm sounding like it is, one person may say some of that happened because, you know, in the 85th minute up a goal and you drove three hours, you want to give the 17th guy on the bench at least five minutes for being in the car for six hours that day. And so you put him in, even though he's the 18th, 19th guy on the roster. And then maybe you lost your lead because you did that for three guys. And so that's the hot topic on where do we want to be on that continuum? And if we're going to be the professional environment where, hey, sorry, guys 19 and 20 might not play at all in a game. That makes our coaches say, well, I feel bad. And can we have a reserve game so that at least those guys know that they can play in a game next week and get 90 minutes? How do you deal with that issue? Boy, oh boy, that's a good one. Um, I tell you what, there's no perfect answer to that. Every player is motivated differently. But one thing that I think um, in the past, and it'll change because of our new technical staff this year, but one of the things that we always tried to emphasize was if you're joining our club, you're, you're essentially joining us for quality training. Um, and you're going to compete at training with good players for the opportunity to be named to the team on Saturday. And we encourage people, everybody, hey, play in a Sunday league. Go, go play Sundays. Um, obviously, if we call you up, we'd expect you to miss that game. But, you know, essentially it was, hey, come to training and, and get a good workout in. Um, there's always that fine balance. You look down the bench, I think, and I've never coached at this level, so I'm guessing, where you do feel bad. Um, but you have to figure out what what is your values 
right? Is it is it that player development? You asked the question. I can't answer it for you guys, right? I think what do people sign up to? Why do they play for you to play? Yeah. So yeah, you got to find. I think the there's, a, there's a degree there. Give them enough training sessions. The, there's a degree of setting the expectation, isn't there? Like, if you move the goalpost halfway through the season, either for or against the 17th player, um, that changes everything. But if everyone's coming to your tryouts knowing that, hey, if you don't make it, and you're on, the, but you're in the squad, there's a chance you'll pay, play, but we can't guarantee it. Or then, then everyone's aligned to that. If they if they don't, if they make the squad, but they're not known as a first team regular, then fine. Then they make that choice of to be part of it or not. Um, but as long as everyone's, as long as the message is clear, I think like it's never a perfect situation, but the coaches can check their, their I don't know what the word is, but they, the coaches can feel better because they're, they're not telling kids that what they didn't already know, I guess. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I like both of your answers. Cause I, I think, I think you're right. And, uh, Continuity. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that, like that part of it right now is like, there's conversations around that. And particularly as we try to figure out, you know, how many players is too much or too little for the two teams that we, uh, that we have. Um, wow. I've got two experts on the phone. What's my, you know, I, there's a lot of questions. Um, we're not experts, Waldo. We're blocking this. <laughs> we're, we're making this shit up. We're not, we're not experts at all. Well, no, I think there's a track. I think there's a visible track record of activities that would suggest that uh, that you are, um, but you're being humble, uh, which I appreciate. Um, I, I, I guess, like, what's the, what's the thing, like, what's the one thing that like a new person like me who's naive on this stuff and what it takes? Um, what's the thing I'm probably overvaluing in terms of getting butts and seats and what's maybe the thing I'm undervaluing in getting butts and seats. So what, what, what did you do where you're like, Oh, this is certainly going to resonate and we're going to get a lot more people because we did X, but it didn't materialize that way. Um, people don't share your passion. Again, it goes back to the fact that if people cared about soccer, there would already, already be a soccer club in your community. You care about soccer, which is why you're building something. Congratulations to you. Um, but clearly, soccer isn't enough. So you've got to tap into something else. And for, for us, I think it's community pride, whatever it's going to be, right? Um, and I think it should be community pride for a lot of places. But well, you just, just, made, me feel, you just made me feel better then because, you know, you, you know, earlier in this conversation, I was talking about, and this might be like nails on chalkboard to some of the purists. Like, I'm kind of talking about, like, I just want to be a night out on the town. I don't even give two shits about the did you Did you listen to, have you had a chance to listen to our most recent one with Jesse Cole, the yellow trucks guy? I did not, no. All right, I'm sure you, no one ever listens to these things. Hunt it down. It's not that hard to find. Yeah. Um, but also hunt down, just hit, just find your yellow trucks. Um, Jesse Cole is a guy in Savannah, Georgia, um, running a minor league baseball team called the Savannah Bananas. And he... Is um, he's basically rev not? I don't want to say revolutionized, but I'm going to say revolutionized the way John and I are thinking about things right now. Um, he when he took over his minor league baseball club, they were getting 50 people through the door, give or take. 
I'm making that number up. But um, now they sell out 4,000 tickets every single night in minor league baseball all through the summer with a waiting list of over 20,000 people. Um, because and to say, he's he was a baseball nut. He was a baseball scholar, um, got injured, and now by his own admission, doesn't like baseball, is bored out of his little behind by baseball. But he just puts on a carnival every single night. People aren't coming because of baseball. No one cares about minor league baseball, right? Like you just said with your the you know, Juliet Shockers or whatever they're called. They like people come, they go, they're kind of fly by night, they're flippant fans. Um, but people have bought into the Savannah Bananas brand because he is doing something completely different. Um, he is what he's he's basically looked at every single aspect of the fan experience from buying a ticket online, well, before buying a ticket online, finding the website and finding the schedule and the roster to buying a ticket, to turning up to the car park, to the concessions, to literally everything. And the last thing on his mind is the playing side of things, but he's also dealt with that. And the last thing on your mind as you know, technical, not as, as non-technical director, as general manager, whatever, should, I think, and John, you can correct me wrong, has to be, the last thing on your mind has to be the playing side of it because right. people aren't coming for the soccer. People aren't interested in the soccer. Yeah, but they're interested in their community, right? And and like, so I look at what you just said, and I like I subscribe to it all, and I'm going to listen to that that episode. But I I also look at that and say, you know, we actually have the venue, we actually have the stadium to like pull off doing some creative things and making it feel like an event that has nothing to do with soccer. So. Um, you know, like, when you literally, as a purist, and you know, I'd like to say I'm more of a purist than you because God bless my accent, right? I know you're first generation. I'm literally the generation, um, and my background is non-league soccer in the UK. I would, I would dispute that you have a great stadium for soccer. I would completely agree that you have a great stadium for the community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. I uh, agree. Agree. Um, agree. Although I think it's an underrated. Anytime you put a soccer field in a baseball stadium, it's a little awkward. I will say mm. I found the Joliet situation less awkward than I thought it would be. Um, and a lot of times, you know, lo looking at you, NYCFC, a soccer field in a baseball stadium isn't even the proper width. Our field is 75 yards wide, which is like really, really good. And it actually fits. So you know, and we don't have the dirt infield. Like our our entire field is field turf, which which I don't like, by the way, field turf. But um, where the infield is just painted brown field turf. So it, it it for a baseball stadium, I will say it punches above its weight as a as a soccer. Is that community pride? Don't you disperse my local stadium? We're not all the same. No, I, but to, to circle back. Your question was, what are you underestimating or overestimating? You yeah. are overestimating. We are all overestimating the interest in soccer. Yeah. There is an interest in soccer. MLS exists. Um, watch parties for EPL games exist. Yeah. But uh, there isn't a fan culture. Yeah. So what are you going to make people a fan of? Because for me, as a, as a Brit, where I, where, where I lived before I moved over here, within walking distance, there were three soccer clubs within... 10 minutes drive, there were, I think I, I looked at it once, there were like 13. Every single community has a soccer club and a soccer club that people go to, not just like this abandoned field. There may be only 30, 50 people going, but Saturday on Saturday, they are going. That culture does not exist here. In the same way that the, the minor league baseball culture does not exist. People go because it's 
people go to minor league baseball because it's the thing to do in the community. They're not going, they don't give a rat's behind about the Joliet, whatever they are. Um, they're going because they give a rat's behind about Joliet. Right. Because they want something to do with the kids. They want a, you know, a hot dog and they want, I don't know, they want Correct. something to do. Um, Correct. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay yeah, with it. I'm, I'm increasingly okay with it. I'm still not okay with it because why don't you love my sport? But I am okay with it. Um, but that, if well, that we'll, get, exist, we'll, we'll, we'll get them there. We'll get them there. Yeah. Let, let's get them in the door and then we'll get them to come back and love it. We don't have to. That's that's the thing. That's the that's my big takeaway from all this with Jesse is it doesn't matter. What matters is making this is making not making money for making money's sake, but making money to ensure that your club is there next season, to making to ensure that the club is there for next generation. To do that, you need people to come through the door. They don't have to live and die for your passion. You've got your passion. His passion is creating this organism, I guess. Um, and it's almost coldly to leave your passion for soccer at the door because that's what's holding you back. If you're focusing on the wins and losses and you know defences versus attacks and formations and all these things, you, you're in a minority in your environment. There's you, there's the coaches and the players that care about that shit and maybe five in the, in the bleachers. The rest of them, they want to see kids that they went to high school with, kids that are going to college, kids that they work with, their, they work with their mums and dads, and they want to be entertained. Right, right, totally, totally. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. John, any thoughts? Oh, I got a million thoughts. Of course you do. <laughs> I, I got a, We've got I got ten a minutes. Million Just things. Focus. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I'll tell you that you said it right, though, Nick. The passion, like, few of us push as hard as, as we in the club do. And for the community that supports us, um, it isn't a big deal. See, where you're at, Evaldo, at a starting point, as you said, you got to get them there, right? There's plenty of gimmicks to try to get people there. We've given away tickets. We've given away tickets to large groups. And by and by, you get a big group that day, and four of them ever come back to another game. You know, so, so you got them there, but you didn't that, that the customer acquisition or whatever I hate using that word customer, but um, that acquisition is is, is very you know, but whatever. It's all about the experience, right? And if you, um, and I, this is again, this is something that's very fresh with Nick and I because we're working on a few things for for us for 22. But um, the best marketing there is in my limited marketing experience is people talking, people talking in person through social media. It isn't organizations dictating pepsi doesn't need to tell me i should drink pepsi yeah. it's me trying a pepsi and liking it and it's somebody else trying a pepsi and handing me one that's that's what's going to get me to drink pepsi so giving the people the experience giving the people you know whatever you have for supporters you know we're fortunate to have a, a small supporters group where we try to communicate with them we try to we try to learn from mls's big picture mistakes and bring it down to a humble spot um I guess what I would say is, is don't take anything personal. When you have a day where there's not a big crowd, and man, I put a lot of effort into this week, and there's not a big crowd here, it isn't because they don't like you or they don't like what you're doing or they don't believe in it. Uh, it's just hard to compete for people's time and money, and uh, especially their time, time more than anything. Especially their time, right? Yeah. Right. And Peter Wilt, you know, I've had a couple conversations, been fortunate enough to talk to him a few times just on conceptual stuff, and you know, he he'll always make the point that it, it's getting people to find that two hours to go to the game. That's hard. That Even if you're doing everything right, that's hard. 
So because the culture is different. That's the thing. People will happily find two, three, four hours to tailgate before a college ball game or to watch NFL on a Sunday. They will find that because that's yeah. the culture. Um, and you can't, you're going to lose that fight, right? Yeah. If I did, to flip it around, there's no way I could get Brits to spend three hours watching college football. But I can get them to commit three hours on a Saturday afternoon. So you've got to get out of the mindset of we need to convert people to my thing, this soccer thing, um, because the players will come and you'll, you'll stumble across a volunteer who shares your passion once in a while. But the bigger thing is how do you engage, how do you create community pride, not soccer pride? Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, and you guys, I mean, you're, you guys, you... Um, we're not doing it, Avaldo. Living... That's the important thing. We, we've failed miserably doing that so far. You guys know. I mean, you can argue that we're putting unreasonable targets on ourselves, but yeah, I think we have. And uh, John, I think you would agree, right? There's, we've got, yeah, we know because we see the potential, just like yeah. you have all, but you see the potential. Yeah, but you, but you I, I wouldn't it. say, I wouldn't say you guys have failed anything. I mean, I, I, it's like, I, it's, it can only be as big as the community wants it to be. So you could, you could be doing an A plus, but if the community doesn't care about an A plus, then. You, they're not coming, but, but you, they could, you could get an A plus and people could still not come. And I don't think that means you fail. You don't, you don't get an A plus if you haven't tried everything. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We, well, just because just just we're pulling in good thing. crowds in the league doesn't mean we're pulling in good crowds. Yeah. Right. Our, our, our measurement stick Evaldo is sustainability, right? It's, it's can can Nick and I talk and the rest of our board, everybody talk and say, we're gonna be here forever. Well, I don't know. You know, a couple of rainy games where attendance is low, that hurts bad. So I think the thing we need to we need to really look at or try to look at, and I think we will, the odd the oddity of all of it, minor league baseball is one thing, right? People go, it's entertaining, there's crazy stuff going a little bit, whatever. High school football you go and there's high school football and cheerleaders. And people will go back and watch their high school football games every Friday with no entertainment value that probably just like the sport of football, but they go because it's, well, this is where my kid went to high school 40 years ago. And I, it's what I do on Friday nights in the fall. Right. So how do you get the I mean, same? Probably... You have Croatian clubs, you have German clubs, you have all these clubs where they care about, oh, I'm going to support them because that's my ethnicity. What we're doing or trying to do, and I think you can too down there in, in Joliet or that area, Southwest suburbs. Hey, if, if I went to NIU, and that's why I, I talked to you right away, you went to NIU, you got ties to our community. Right. Like you should care about our club. Right. At least not, maybe not the soccer, but at least what we're doing for the, the community and try to pull people in. And for me, it's, it's literally a one-on-one -on -one conversation most of the time. You know, we don't get big groups that all of a sudden a hundred people start following us. We get one guy that I met at a barbecue who now then decides to buy a membership or show up to a game. And it takes, you and your staff, one at a time, one at a time, one at a time, exponentially. It doesn't happen in 2022. It doesn't happen in 2026. It happens in 2060 when the third president is running DeKalb County United. That's when I'm going to feel like we did something, right? I mean, that's that's success. that's ultimate success. Yeah, right. The goal, the goal is to, I mean, if you want to put a number on it and it means nothing, and I'm conscious of time, but if you want to put a, a goal on it, then... Um, incrementally increase your attendance by 
10%, either game on game or year on year or from the first game to the last game, whatever. Give yourself a target and work to that. Don't just say, oh, we need to get 500 people. You don't pluck a number out of the air. You know you've got a baseline because you've had a season. So, all right, how do we grow it? Is it as simple as you bought a season ticket last year, so you get a free one um, and bring a mate? You know, the very simple thing that we didn't put any weight behind, but bring a mate and double the gate, right? If you have 200 people, they all bring a friend, you've got 400 people. It's very simple math. It should be that easy. It isn't, but it should be. So um, all you've got to do is just set yourself a realistic goal for for literally everything. But, you know, attendance is a very easy thing to measure. You've, you've set a goal for merchandise, you set a goal for sponsorship, that depends on other things. But, but attendance is just like, yeah, well, this is how do we get an extra 10 people through the gate this week? Yeah. 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 That's what you can do. Just and ensure that nine of them come back. That's the second step. But the first step is how do we get how do we get in front of people? Then how do we gain, engage them? Yeah. Yeah. No, very well. Well, thank, thank you guys. I mean, I, the, the, ha, having you guys as a resource, um, you know, having John's a resource for my first kind of five months on this journey has been incredible. He's such a visionary. Um, Nick, I hadn't met you until more recently, um, but you guys make a formidable duo and, you know, with the rest of your team who I'm meeting slowly, because I know there's another member of your team, Morgan, who's like the commissioner of like an under 23 league. And so, you know, your guys' influence on the sport um, emanates, you know, much farther than, you know, just, you know, DeKalb County. And so kudos to what you're doing and what you're building. Thank you for those kind words. Well, Which is just an ego trip for us, thank right, you, John? Thank you for that. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, perfect. And, and truthfully, and you said something earlier, Nick, that I just want to, I just want to chime in on. You, you wished Evaldo a great deal of failure in his endeavors down there. What you really mean is we want you to exist forever and actually suck. That's what yeah, you really mean. We want you to yeah. exist at a very low level on the pitch, poor attendance, but somehow you limp through it. That's what we want. We wish that the, we wish the best for everyone within two hours of us. I, no, I, I'll, no, I, I, want, I want them to be pulling to suck, but to be bringing in 2,000 people week on week. Because that because that's that's that then spreads out. And we always say, John, that we don't we don't want to be a local derby shouldn't be two hours away. A local derby shouldn't be in Joliet. Right? Our local derby for us should be our dear friends in Rockford and Aurora, and there should be 17 th clubs between us and them. Joliet should be going down to Elk Grove and to Downers Grove or wherever else and saying, right. yeah, this is our local derby. Screw those guys in DeKalb. I don't, I've never got any reason to go there. That only happens when 2,000 people are coming to home games. Right, right, right. Yeah, good point. But anyway, that's well, the look of Aldo. We'll catch up. Yeah. And I, my commiserations to anyone on the Midwest board who has to deal with the issue because it's like we've got a stunt double for John now. As far as I'm <laughs> but, thank you. Well, thank you for your time, Evaldo. Take care, both. Thank you. No worries. Take care. Bye-bye. Now the time has come for leaving. Fear, now we shall return. We were so glad we could make it, but so sad we got to run. Well, it might be a long time till we raise another glass. You can rest assured that next time we'll have ourselves a laugh.